Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I'm Christian Rivas, joined as always by Jacob Rude. And Sunday, when we're recording this, was the first day of the second round. A lot of fun basketball being played. That that Warriors-Grizzlies game was a lot of fun. Uh, But of, I guess, relevance to Lakers fans, the first round of the playoffs is over. uh, And... A lot of the coaching candidates that they've been heavily linked to are now available for interviews, and that includes Quinn Snyder and Nick Nurse. The only problem is Nick Nurse is still under contract with the Raptors, and there's no reason to believe they'd let him go without receiving compensation in return. Uh, And there's really been nothing reported on that end in terms of like how the Raptors feel about Nick nurse. Like there's been a lot of the Lakers would like Nick nurse, uh, but it doesn't sound like the interest is mutual at all. And then I guess the most recent report that we should talk about, at least when it comes to those two guys is that the Lakers reportedly have serious interest in Quinn Snyder, uh, which we already knew. But even after the Jazz flamed out in the playoffs once again, uh, Mark Stein reported earlier or or late last week that it just doesn't seem like he is on the hot seat. Like the impression around the league is both that he's gettable, but two, that he's not exactly on his way out like the jazz aren't pushing him out which puts him in a, in a really weird position and puts the lakers in in a interesting position when it comes to their pursuit of him i guess yeah uh <laughs> the jazz going out sad yet again uh means that you got to change something there and i mean it's easy to make the coach the scapegoat uh ask frank vogel Um, but I mean, they need a lot of changes there, so I'm not entirely certain, um, what, what you do. And like, I, I don't know what change you make. I don't know if it's trading Gobert. I don't know if it's trading Mitchell. I don't know if it's letting go of Quinn Snyder. I don't know if it's a combination of those or what, but I don't, certainly you can't just run this back after they, I mean, they're, they're diminishing return at this point. They're getting worse and worse. So um, yeah, I, I would be a little surprised. I think if he wasn't let go, even though I think he's really good, that just always feels like the first move a team makes in a situation like this. Um, But I, I mean, I don't know that that was (laughs) That was a uh, – I don't even know what the best word to use it. I watched the final game. Was it game six, I think? Um, just the way they lost was brutal. Uh, and it's just simple stuff that they're they're not doing. 
this can be an, another discussion for another day, but I still put so much of the Jazz's struggle on that roster. And there's simple things they couldn't get right, like simple closeouts, like defensive closeouts and rotations that, I mean, you can't tell me that Quinn Snyder didn't teach them that. And biggest game of the season, biggest moment of the season, and uh, I think it was Bogdanovich and Rudy Gobert, both left a dude got wide open. I know that's a play everybody kind of saw and was clipped and highlighted. So I don't know. Does the way that the Jazz keep flaming out, especially this year, kind of sour you on Snyder at all? No. Um, well, okay. I should clarify. With a good roster, I think Quinn Snyder is – totally capable of coaching a championship contending team. I mean, the jazz in the regular season, at least have been a very, very good basketball team. And I don't know. I know we did a roundup at silver screen and roll uh, with staff writers across the SB nation NBA network, where we asked them like, basically give us your pros and cons about the candidate the Lakers are linked to that is on your team and with Quinn Snyder I think the main criticism was his system works really well 99% of the time but on the one in the one percent of the time it doesn't work don't expect him to go away from it and I think you know you could probably make similar arguments about Frank Vogel on the defensive end uh, and if you were you know, to pick one of the two, what you'd rather have is, you know, a defensive minded coach who never goes away from a system or is off offensive minded coach who never goes away from the system and both have proven track records. You know, I think it really just depends on who you are. Uh, but I think Quinn Snyder has proven himself as a head coach in, in the NBA. And when you just look at this is the other interesting thing with the coaching search and, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski uh, of ESPN reported that they're going to take their time really looking for this next head coach. And the thing that's interesting to me, and I think part of the reason they want to wait this out is the pool of free agent head coaches right now. I don't think there's any one person that you can look at and say, you know, this is, more than Frank Vogel was, this is a guy who is going to be able to, you know, inspire LeBron James and Anthony Davis <laughs> to have that comeback season and, and lead them to a championship. Because if that was your criticism of Frank Vogel, who literally led them to a championship, you can argue that he lost the locker room. And I think the reports about him and Russ at least suggests that, you know, he lost a powerful voice in the locker room and that may have played a role in his exit. Uh, but other than that, like you can't honestly say that anybody else that's available right now has the credibility or the, huh? I guess just relationships established with, with these players even in previous stops, like we talked about Juwan Howard as, as a coaching candidate earlier uh, this month or in April, I should say. And, you know, he, he obviously has ties to LeBron James and 
you know, even somebody like Alvin Gentry, who hasn't been tied to the Lakers, uh, no surprise there because it doesn't seem like him and AD ended on good terms. But even he would make sense as somebody who could come in and be like, all right, Anthony Davis and I have a pre-existing relationship. Like, that makes sense. From, like, everything that we know, at least, everything that's out there, none of these guys, the, you know, Darvin Ham, who the Lakers were attracted to, and I actually really like as, uh, as a potential head coaching candidate. The thing he has working against him, though, is, you're essentially taking on a rookie head coach to do a better job than Frank Vogel did with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And if the logic is you just want somebody else and you want to give somebody else a try, that's fine. It's just, that's not the criticism we heard of Frank all season. And that's not the type of coach that we've, I guess, come to expect from a team with LeBron James and that is why I think taking the the slow approach is is the right call here sorry for ranting (laughs) no you're fine um the best news to come out of the Lakers head coaching search this weekend was that Mark Jackson's a finalist for the Kings (laughs) job uh because speaking of free agent coaches the fact that he is one of the top ones kind of to, or goes to your point about there not being a lot of big names out there right now. Um, well, bite your tongue, son, because just because he's a finalist doesn't mean he's gotten the job yet. He could completely whiff on the Kings job and be a finalist for the Lakers job down the line. How peak Lakers would that be for a, somebody who was interviewing for the Kings job, fails to get it, and then gets the Lakers job? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just – it's not a particularly appealing group of candidates right now uh, that are available. I'm really intrigued by Darvin Ham. Um, I would still probably say Quinn Snyder would be my preferred option. And one of the reasons for that is with a roster with LeBron and AD and presumably a good amount of veterans, uh, I think there's some value to having someone who is familiar with the NBA and as a head coach, Darvin Ham has had a ton of experience as an assistant and it may ultimately not even be a big deal for him to make that leap. Um, I mean, we saw with Willie green in new Orleans that um, it didn't really hurt him at all. So, but just from a maybe lower risk standpoint, I mean, the floor is probably higher with Quinn Snyder and that after what we watched last season, I want a high floor because the floor this year was, I mean, they hit the floor. It was not even making the playoffs or the playing game. So uh, that's part of the reason I prefer Quinn Snyder. If all things were equal and Maybe I didn't have those kind of expectations. I might prefer Darvin Ham because everything you read about him is great and makes it really interesting. I Does that factor at all into you that a, a first-year head coach coming in to coach a team that – I mean, when you have LeBron and AD healthy, you expect them to be title contenders. I think my fear with Darvin, I guess um... – would be that if things started going bad 
then the easiest finger to point to is a rookie head coach. Like yeah. he does have a ton of uh, experience. You know, he was played in the NBA, was an assistant coach on and a championship team last season. And so he's been in, around the league for a long time. But when you're talking about the most influential people in the locker room and the credibility they have, I think the credibility that LeBron James and Anthony Davis have as players will probably earn them the benefit of the doubt uh, more than Darvin would as, as a rookie head coach. And uh, that's the only reason I'd say, you know, maybe make Quinn your number one option. Cause I do think Darvin Ham is a completely capable head coach from everything that we know. And it seems like more than anything, he's the type of guy that is going to be able to be a respected voice in the locker room, Mm -hmm. which is great. And the thing is though, Frank Vogel was that too, when the Lakers were winning. Uh, And to my surprise, like, I've talked about this a lot, but the 2019-20 season, when compared to, I guess, other teams that LeBron James has been on, was probably like the most peaceful LeBron James team that has also been competitive. Like, the lack of leaks that came from that locker room was phenomenal. And, you know, in the season since then, I've grown to appreciate that because... (laughs) You know, the, the past two seasons have resembled more what we saw in Cleveland and Miami. And so that's, I mean, I guess you could say I'm looking out for Darvin. I'm sure Darvin would not mind a head coaching <laughs> check from the Lakers and uh, probably wants me to shut up. But um, just from like a somebody who's been covering this team for a while, I guess that is not something I would want him to go through. If this were, uh, you know, Post Byron Scott, they were looking for a head coach to lead them into this new era. That's cool. Darvin Ham's probably my number one choice at that point. But when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your team, you have expectations. And man, if you don't live up to those, ask Russell Westbrook how, you know, not living up to expectations on a championship, a team with championship aspirations worked out for him. He was a hometown kid. People were excited. He had all the benefit of the doubt possible. And it, this team, um, yeah, I, I just think with this specific situation, uh, you're, you're best served going for some type of former coach or familiar voice or something like that. Um, like I said, I wouldn't be upset if Darvin Ham's a coach. Also, at this point, like the finger's going to be pointed. I'll buy everybody at Palinka if this gets screwed up. Like yeah. maybe even Jeannie Buss herself, because he, I mean, he went out in his exit interview and said, I'm the sole decision maker. Like the buck stops with me. So like he put himself on the hot seat. If they don't get it right this year, he's gone. And presumably, maybe he's replaced by Kurt Rambis, but that's another another topic for another day. But um so maybe that insulates Darvin Ham a little bit, but yeah, I just think with somebody like Quinn Snyder, he's going to have connections to get a good staff or, or around him. I mean, kind of speaking of that, it is really wild that 
like most of the candidates the Lakers have been linked to so far are all former assistants yeah, and all from like the same team, like Darvin Ham and Quinn Snyder were on the same staff together under Mike Brown, who may also be getting an interview from the Lakers. Uh, how hysterical of a homecoming would that be? Uh, you talk about somebody with connections to LeBron, I guess. Um, but it is really hilarious. That was like a, apparently an all-time great coaching staff because all these people went on to be uh, head coaches, respected assistant coaches. I mean, Darvin Ham's going to be a, a coach soon enough. So a, a whole bunch of head coaches just bring back a Torrey Messina and just get the band back together next season. Yeah, I wonder if um, – and he's another guy. Miles Simon, uh, not – like a ton of experience on the NBA sidelines, but I wonder if he's somebody that you can consider in that, in that head coaching search. Um, I'd be quite a jump for him. Wasn't it like last year, <laughs> two years ago, he was like a player development guy. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. I don't know, but it sounds like, it sounds like they're going to be pretty thorough. Um, I'm interested to see one, one last thing is Phil Handy going to get uh, an interview. You think, I mean, he, there, there's kind of this, honestly like the stink attached to this team and this coaching staff so i don't know if he'll get an interview but i mean by it seemed like if vogel was going to be fired this season handy would have been the interim coach so i wonder if he's going to get an interview yeah a lot of people have talked about um like fizz getting an interview and like that being an option and i'm like bro what are you talking about we saw his interview in december no thanks (laughs) If Fizz was their guy, I think uh, Frank would have would have been gone much much sooner than he was. Um, so I don't think that is is a realistic option. Phil, I do think they'll take a a good strong look at. And it's funny that you mentioned that because Phil is somebody who throughout his career has known when to jump off. Yeah. Like he is attracted to winning situations, and I think if the Lakers interviewed Phil Handy. And there was like strong reported interest on their side and he turned them down. I think that would be the most pessimistic I (laughs) would be about the Lakers. Uh, Like more than anything that's happened, more than any move or hire they've made. If Phil Phil Handy says, this is my last season, then the Lakers probably aren't headed anywhere because he's a pretty good (laughs) judgment of, uh, of team success. He went like, wasn't it three straight years he won a title between like, I can't remember what all the stops were, but he it was a uh, Cleveland, Golden State, Toronto Lakers. Okay, so four straight years. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he he knows he knows where to go. He knows when to go there, and he knows when to leave. So that's why I was staying optimistic. Earnestly, I was staying optimistic about the Lakers because I mean, if Phil Handy's around, he sees something. But uh, there was only so much optimism I could have this season, but. I don't know. It's interesting. He's he got a interview. I can't remember where last I believe his last offseason, maybe with the Wizards, I think. And that kind of came out of the blue. But based on kind of the reports and the rumblings, it sounded like he was going to be the guy this year. So maybe it's somebody they look at. It can't hurt to try. I mean, I was almost interested, especially late in the year when it was pretty clear this team was not going anywhere to, and that they were going to fire Frank to just let him go and give Phil Handy a run just to see what you had. Um, 
it'd be interesting to see, but I, I, I wonder if they give him an interview. I don't see him staying on the staff any other way, right. most likely. But mm-hmm. uh, I do wonder if he's someone. I mean, if they're gonna take it slow and they're waiting on guys right now. Um, why not give somebody that's? I mean, the assistant coaches are still in house, still with the team. Why not give somebody like that a, an interview? Uh, I want to correct myself very quickly. Uh, so I. What the reason I said Warriors because I was under the impression that he won championships back to back to back. It was finals appearances that he had a crazy streak That's of. What it was. Okay. Uh, and it was the Cavaliers, Raptors, and Lakers. He did not, he did, was not an assistant coach in, okay. in Golden State. Um, I think the only way Phil considers staying on staff, even if he's not the head coach, is if Nick Nurse is the head coach because I think they yeah. have some experience working together and obviously like. I'd imagine Phil's a front of the bench head coach on, on Nick nurse's coaching staff. And I would love that. It's just, we're not at that point yet. Uh, and really the only reason we're talking about Quinn Snyder is because again, it's been reported that the Lakers have interest right now. What's out there is what's out there. Uh, and unless the same people that find these hidden gems in the NBA draft in the Lakers front office or, conducting the coaching search spoiler alert (laughs) they're not uh i think there was i keep meaning to bring this up but i couldn't find the report uh while we were podcasting but we heard something similar around the time that the lakers were looking for luke wallen's replacement and it just seems that the front office is hell-bent on giving their input on the assistant coaching staff Uh, um yeah and to I, I think a part of it is like whiplash from Luke Walton's assistant coaching staff, M- maybe hyperbole, but an all time bad assistant coaching staff, especially compared yeah. to what we've seen, not just what you see around the NBA, but what the Lakers had even just last season with Lionel Hollins, uh, you know, David Fisdale, Phil Handy, all names you recognize. Uh, and that's not to say you can't have a good assistant coaching staff without having names you recognize. But I mean, a lot of those guys aren't front of coach uh, or front of the bench coaches in the NBA anymore. And, you know, it's not what you want. So I get it. And I think the general reception when that report came out after they fired Luke Walton is that the Lakers wanted uh, assurance that the assistant coaches weren't just going to be the best buddies of whoever they hired, but it seems like that was a point of contention with Tyron Liu. And I think a name that was brought up specifically at the time was Jason Kidd. Tyron Liu did not want Jason Kidd on his coaching staff, which I understood. Um, But if, if that is going to prevent them from getting a Quinn Snyder or getting a Nick nurse, it's just, it's a lot of things. You mentioned them also, kind of limiting their search at least so far to people that have had some sort of experience within the organization. And you see this a lot with successful sports organizations like that have a history of success. You see it a lot in soccer with, you know, call it nepotism, call it whatever, but their general preference is to go to somebody that knows how to do things their way because their way has been successful in the past like 
they have a track record of success saying we did things this way. And if we continue to do things this way, then we'll be champions, you know, sooner rather than later. I don't think the Lakers are at that point with the way they've done things as of late, like with this front office or with this ownership group to where they should feel comfortable saying to any head coach, like, trust us. We know what we're doing. (laughs) You mean the front office that, uh, had Vogel as a lame duck coach for an entire year. Probably shouldn't tell coaches trust us. Um, yeah. yeah, it it will be interesting. I mean, the there was a kind of a report of sorts. Jovan Bua at the Athletic said that the front office is aware of the backlash of the last uh, head coaching search. I think that was more in reference to like the contract issue that was with Ty Lue, they didn't want to give him enough years. Um, And so there is some, some self-awareness there. I don't know if it extends as far to the coaching staff. I will say it's fair to be, to have some whiplash after that Luke Walton staff. Yeah. Because like, you know, when you work at like a retail store and you get have like the friends and family discount that you can give out, it yeah. was like Luke Walton did that, only it was for jobs on the Lakers coaching staff. His vouchers, yeah. Yeah, he was just giving out <laughs> vouchers to join the Lakers coaching staff because, yeah, it was all-time bad. And so you saw, like you said, the the coaching staffs Frank Vogel put together were, were much, much stronger. Um, I mean, even as as silly as the whole Jason Kidd scenario was like, if you look in Dallas, like he is doing a decent job this season. He still is weird about a lot of things, but like they're still having a good amount of success over there. Um, You still shouldn't like strong arm people into putting them on the staff and, and all of that, but at least they had the right eye. That's also something I'm kind of like, relying upon is that everybody the Lakers like seriously considered in the last coaching search was good. Um, Whether it was Monty, whether it was Ty Lue, whether it was Vogel, whether, I mean, like I just said with Jason Kidd, who was like in the center of that the whole time, even though I don't know why they didn't want to make him the head coach. Um, But so I kind of lean on that, but it's going to be a really interesting process. They said they wanted a coach by the draft. The draft isn't until the end of June. So it's going to be a while. I think this is really going to be a drawn out process. Um, And we'll see. It'll be interesting. There's no need to really rush right now, but uh, we'll see how this goes. I was a little surprised how long they took that there was so long before a report came out, but uh I would imagine more names are going to start to come out and there's going to be more interviews, but it'll be interesting to see. I I don't even, I don't know that there's even really a clear front runner. I have my preference. I know. I mean, we both said our preference. I know everybody has one, but like one of the front runners might be Quinn Snyder who might not even be available. Like, so right now I don't even know that there's really a clear front runner. We're gonna take a quick break and then we'll talk uh, more Lakers basketball or absence of basketball. I guess there was a ton of drama on Sunday. Uh, 
one with the second round of the NBA playoffs starting, but also in the do, do I call it the preseason finale of winning time? Um, <laughs> the penultimate which, finale. Which would you say was more dramatic? <laughs> oh, winning time, uh, because that was an insane episode. A spoiler alert, you guys, if you haven't watched. Uh, I mean, we're technically recording this while it's on, but I watched it earlier in the week and good Lord, Spencer Haywood is, that is a wild story. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with his history with drugs. He's been very open about the history he has with drugs and drug abuse, uh, especially during his playing days. He was very open about it in the book that Jeff Perlman wrote, Showtime the book. Um, And there wasn't much in that episode that wasn't either just like how it happened or based in reality. There was um, the part where he fell asleep during shoot around, which actually happened. The timelines were all a little bit different. Uh, The fact that he was kicked off the team actually happened in the middle of a finals. Spencer Haywood was kicked off the team because uh, he had just become so like volatile and kind of moody because of his drug abuse. And then the episode ends with him going to somebody's house that is clearly involved in some type of organized crime and putting a hit out on the Lakers. In real life, he specifically put a hit out on Paul Westhead. And there was a plan that uh, they had worked out. I will save the details so that you guys go click and read the article. There was a plan that they worked out that his mom uh, talked him out of, basically. But they were very, he was set on having a hit out on Paul Westhead. So it was an absolutely bonkers episode. Uh, the show's incredible. It's just, unfortunately, so much of the talk about it right now is how how much jerry west and magic johnson hated apparently i think the good news is if you keep talking about how much you like it jerry west's comments will eventually get drowned out (laughs) because who do people care about more jacob rude or jerry west i personally (laughs) does it like i've seen this debate a little bit does it like lessen how much you enjoy these episodes because what Jerry West, Magic, Kareem, all those guys really don't like it? I think my thing is a lot of these people, including Jerry West, don't think it is an entirely accurate depiction of the person they were at the time. Uh, But in fairness to Jeff Perlman and Adam McKay, Like, all they have to work with is what's out there. And in Jerry West's case specifically, his memoir is used as source material for a lot of what this character is based off of in this series. It's not just winning time. Like, I saw Jeff Perlman uh, put out a thread of tweets today talking about how some of the lines that Jerry West has in winning time are direct quotes from Jerry West's memoir. That was really interesting to me because Jerry West can be as mad as he wants about this. 
if Adam McKay or Jeff Perlman can say, you know, he, like you said, you said this. This is all we have to go based off of. Jerry West, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, all of those guys can be as loud and, and annoyed as they want. But unless they were willing to be like consultants on set without holding anything back, like that is the only way you fight against that, I guess. Because if Magic Johnson was on set for winning time as a consultant, I think the moment he leaves is when he starts being portrayed as like this sex monster uh, who is Which, spoiler alert. <laughs> right. And, and that's the thing is like, of course they're at their, the ages where, you know, all of that is behind them. Some of these scenes and, and moments of their lives are really traumatic to them and they don't want to revisit that. Or they felt like they built this persona that, goes against everything they were before and they, they kind of want to keep that persona and I, I can't hold them especially in magic johnson's case i can't hold him but if if you're going to say that one it didn't happen or two it didn't happen the way it's being portrayed as then correct it say what did happen and if you're not willing to do that there's probably a reason you separated yourself from the project entirely because you don't want it being talked about at all and that's a different discussion if if this part of Maddie Johnson's life is something he just wants to leave behind and and doesn't want to be involved in at all you look at that and go okay like I think it's still in the public's interest to put that kind of stuff out there and if you compare winning time to the Maddie Johnson documentary that's out right now you can kind of see how Magic Johnson wants to be seen, if that yes. makes sense, like yes. com- compared to winning time. And that's fine. It's just you you can't have both things. Like you can't you can't just outright say something isn't true when we know that a lot of it is, at least. He uh those all those years still happened. <laughs> like just because you want to ignore him doesn't yeah. mean that they didn't happen. The the kind of funniest thing about all this and we can talk about the playoffs after this but they like everybody has these specific things more or less that they call out magic said the show's inaccurate and that he hasn't watched the show in the same sentence so like i'm not really taking anything he says with any like right no go watch the show um jerry west had a sentence it was really funny there was an article that came out where he was he talked about like losing sleep over his depiction in the show again he also said he hadn't watched any of the show it was his friends and family telling him about it and there was a scene earlier in the episode where he was when jack mckinney was having training camp he got kicked out of the gym it was a closed practice and he said that was like one thing he wanted to like point out is i've never been kicked out of a lakers practice he (laughs) He's been kicked out of a Lakers locker room by Phil Jackson, and he's been kicked out of a Golden State Warriors practice by Mark Jackson, but he has not been kicked out of a Lakers practice. So good for you, Jerry West, I guess. Uh, And then the last thing that was easily the funniest is I love Kareem to death. He is awesome. Uh, He has a very, uh, I don't even know the word. His personality is very, 
withdrawn, I guess maybe, but he pushed back on the scene where he like, right after the filming of his scene in airplane, he like tells the kid to F off or something. He's like, I never said that to that kid. There's literally a written story of him saying it to a different kid, which is probably where they just combine the two stories. So it's like all these guys are like, I didn't do this one specific thing, but it's like, yeah, they're kind of combining stories because they can't have like 15 seasons of this show to encapsulate everything that happened. But uh, a lot of the stuff that's happened in the show has been based in some sort of fact or reality and whatnot. And it's just, I'm, I'm sorry that these people don't like it, uh, but I find it, I still find the show enjoyable. I thought tonight's episode was the best episode of the series. I, I typically am able to like, as I'm watching the episode, I look up stuff, the questions I have to start doing the piece. And I caught myself during this episode, I had stopped for like 30 minutes just watching the episode. So uh, I really enjoyed it. If you guys haven't seen it, go over and watch it after we're done here. But yeah, that was the most drama, but the playoffs were, were wild on Sunday. Yeah. I am so excited for like, I've been excited for these conference semifinals since last season ended because you kind of have an idea of which teams are going to come back um, stronger. And then the offseason happens and you're like, oh, yeah, I I definitely know where this is headed. I obviously thought the Lakers were going to be in the mix in, in some capacity. That's obviously not happening. Um, but if you would have told me last season that Phoenix and Golden State would be – two of the four teams vying for a spot in the Western Conference Finals, then I'd say, yeah, that makes sense. And that's going to be a really good series. The Grizzlies I didn't see coming as much. Um, And my, what a game that was. Certainly was not Milwaukee-Boston. Boston, who a lot of people considered the favorites to win the Eastern Conference, ran into Giannis and Antetokounmpo uh, and found out that they are not that maybe <laughs> the bucks are really really good and i feel bad for the warriors because um they are going to have to face this really 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 good memphis grizzlies team i'm going to give the grizzlies all of the flowers they deserve john morant is an absolute monster i cannot believe that scoop that patented scoop layup that he has did not go in yeah, uh, I thought Clay Thompson was going to have his day on Twitter because it seems like it's never happened because everybody loves Clay. <laughs> um, but let they, let's just say they get past the Grizzlies, which I, I believe they will. The Warriors, they're they then have to face presumably the Phoenix Suns, and then after they beat the Suns, who were the best team in the Western Conference this season, and are just a really well constructed basketball team. DeAndre Ayton, I think, is going to either make or break them, break the Suns in that series against the Warriors, assuming they get there. And after that, if the Warriors make it past that, their prize is getting to play one of the Miami <laughs> Heat, Philadelphia 76ers, Milwaukee Bucks, or Boston Celtics. That sucks. <laughs> the this is like loaded the rest of the way for the uh for the playoffs like usually there's still even like a a second round opponent that's not great um 
That's not the case this year. Every every game left is – every team left, I should say, is really, really good. Um, Milwaukee today was maybe – that was – I mean, they look like a championship team. And without Chris Middleton against the Celtics team that uh, everybody was really high on after that Nets game uh, or Nets series, to come out in Boston and do what they did was – Really impressive. Drew Holiday remains one of my absolute favorite players to watch. He he was he was like that in New Orleans when I watched him with Lonzo, and I'm super excited that he's kind of on a national stage now that everybody gets to see him and he gets all the kudos he deserves because, God, he is such an incredible player. But Giannis, like, I think today, stunningly, was only his – Second playoff triple-double, but that fourth quarter was incredible. The off-the-backboard alley-oop he had literally made me yell in my apartment. Like, I, I thought he just kind of threw up a shot, and then once I realized he was flying in to dunk it, like, that was absolutely absurd. Um, He is – God, he is so, so, so good. Also, like, the player Brooke Lopez is now – Versus what he was at Stanford and like when he came out of school, it's insane like how different of a player he is. And even if you just look back not that long ago when he was in Brooklyn, the player he was then versus the player he is now uh, is incredible. So that that Milwaukee team is they're really, really damn good. Um, and then Golden State Memphis was wild game itself. Uh, did you think that was a flagrant two for Draymond? No. Um, and, God, refs have just – ever since the bubble, I feel like refs have decided that it is them the fans want. And it's weird. <laughs> uh, and I hate it. But, um, I mean, he'll be back uh, for next game. And I think the Warriors will look a lot better even then. The fact that <sighs> – the fact that the Warriors were able to go on the run they were able to go on with Steph Curry on the bench is absurd. Like the fact that they have that type of talent in Jordan Poole, and that's not to mention like they have Jonathan Kaminga and, and James Wiseman waiting in the wings off the bench. Stupid. I hate, like, I enjoy the basketball they play. Curry's probably my first or second favorite player in the league Giannis has shot up those rankings in, in recent years uh and his fondness for Oreos have only like pushed him up my rankings honestly that's <laughs> that is the most I've ever related to an NBA athlete is is his like fondness for Oreos but like as much as I like and respect the Warriors God, it bugs me how how good they are and like how well ran their organization is. Just like shut up. All right. We get it. You you understand how to build a winning roster. And who knows what they do this offseason? Cause Jordan Poole's a gonna be a restricted free agent. And when they can bring him back, it seems like they are willing to pay to play. Uh, but if they did that the summer after the Lakers let Alex Grusso walk, uh I will complete my transformation into the Joker. Just full stop. Uh, two things. First, 
I wasn't even going to point this out. Somebody tried to like uh, I, old takes expose, I guess me. Uh-huh. When I a couple weeks ago, when I said like uh, when I was talking about Jokic being benched for it might have even been last week for the biggest defensive possession. Oh, no. Somebody was like, oh, <laughs> look, it's Steph Curry. They benched him. Steph Curry also had an insane defensive stop on Ja Morant down the stretch that he yeah. Jokic could only dream of. Uh, I wasn't even somebody was like, look, they benched him. I was like, yeah, he had a block slash steal on a John Morant drive, like with the game on the line. Um, but the other thing I wrote an article at the very beginning of last week talking about the Lakers need to um, rely more on their scouting department and use it as the strength it is and not making them find undrafted free agents and, and things like that. And the Warriors are, are an example with someone like Jordan Poole, who um, he wasn't a high draft pick. And like, I, I resisted for a long time because everybody wanted to make like the third splash bro a thing for like anybody that was like, had any kind of hot stretch with the Warriors shooting. They're like, oh, that's finally the third sp- splash bro. But like Jordan Poole is actually the third splash bro now. Like, 31 points. He's like shifted to a roll back off the bench before the game playoff career high. Jordan Poole's legit. It's going to be interesting. I mean, the Warriors, unlike other teams have showed a willingness to go way into the luxury tax, but Lord almighty, they're going to have to go deep into it to keep Jordan Poole. Yeah. It would be like unprecedented in American sports deep into the luxury tax, like European soccer you know spends that on breakfast but in american sports certainly uh good lord uh we'll end the show with this we have obviously the conference semifinals going on who are your picks for the conference finals now that i mean it's a little unfair because we have a one game advantage but i do think the tides maybe could turn so who's your pick for the conference final I will go Milwaukee versus Miami. Uh, I mean, we didn't even talk about Joel Embiid being out, which is a bummer for them, obviously. But Milwaukee versus Miami and Golden State Phoenix. I don't know if that might be chalk. Uh, That might be boring if it is, but I, I do think those are probably the four best teams right now. Well, no, because Chalk is, uh, I mean, if you're just going based off of standings, it would technically be Phoenix, Memphis, and then Miami, Boston. Um, so that's funny that okay. Golden State, yeah, Milwaukee would technically be upset. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I didn't actually know their, their seedings, but yeah, that would be, and those would be two incredible series. Phoenix and Golden State have been kind of circling each other all year. Uh, and then Milwaukee, Miami has all the storylines of the bubble. And Miami is really damn good. I don't know what the status of Jimmy and Kyle Lowry is, but Miami looked really good against Atlanta, and that would be a bloodbath. I think they're going to get a little bit of good fortune uh, because they have they won't have to face Embiid for the first two games, and they still get to face James Harden in the playoffs. So a lot of good fortune for them. Can I talk about Joker origin stories? 
if Chris Paul loses to Steph Curry again, <laughs> good lord, we might get the the most insufferable version of Chris Paul in the 2022-23 season if that happens. I can't imagine it. Uh, that'll do it for this week's show. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, we'll be back with more playoff basketball and the season finale of Winning Time uh, next week, which, you know, depending on how the games are, may be what we devote uh, <laughs> most of our show to. So uh, uh, we'll see you then. <laughs>